All right, you may be seated. And good morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles back to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6 will be in verses 7 through 13. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning. You have already been so kind to us. You've blessed us with a place to meet. You've blessed us with the breath of life, the ability to get here this morning. You've blessed us with the beautiful sunshine, the coolness of the morning. You've blessed us with shade. You've blessed us with fellowship. You've blessed us with the opportunity to sing praises to you. You've blessed us with new church family. We thank you for Jonathan. We thank you for Nikki. God, we already love them dearly. God, you've already used them in so many ways to minister to their new church family and just to further the gospel. Father, most of all, this morning, you've blessed us with your word. What a privilege and an honor and a blessing it is this morning for your word to be preached, to be read, to be taught, to be sung, to be prayed, to be shared. God, we're overwhelmed with thanksgiving and joy. And we pray now that you would speak and you would minister to the hearts of your people. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. God is very good. Amen. What a beautiful piece of property. Thank you for whoever has been taking the time of cutting the grass. What an amazing morning the Lord has given us. And so now we want to turn our attention back to God's word in Mark chapter 6 verses 7 through 13 as we continue to look at the gospel of the suffering servant, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So before we read the passage this morning, just in way of reminding us of where we've been the last time in Mark chapter 6, Jesus had traveled to Nazareth, his hometown. And if you remember, we talked about you would think he would have been well received and they would have understood that this was the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the son of God sent to rescue his people from their sin that surely the Jews would have known this surely in his own hometown where they had seen him grow up that they would have known this but sadly as we read through that passage of verses 1 through 6 we see their disdain for Jesus and their rejection of him their rejection of the Messiah and we left off there in verse 6 it says that he went about among the villages teaching. And so all throughout Galilee, Jesus began to go, furthering the gospel, 
teaching the truth about the kingdom of God. We're now in his second year of his public ministry. This will be his third time going through the land of Galilee. And this time, it's going to look a little different. Jesus is going to begin to send out the disciples, the apostles, the 12 to further his work. This will be their first time going out. They've been with Jesus and they've been ministering with him, but now he's going to send them out two by two. And so let's read from Mark 6, 7 through 13. And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The first truth I want us to see this morning from this passage, and we're going to do a little cross-referencing here, but to understand who the apostles are, the first truth is Jesus is the apostle. Jesus is the apostle. If we want to understand apostolic authority that was given to these 12, we need to understand the true authority. As Pastor Jim read this morning in Matthew 28, all power and all authority has been given, bestowed through Jesus Christ because he is the one who has all power and all authority. When we think about Jesus, he is the great high priest. When we think about Jesus, he is the king of kings. When we think about Jesus, he is the prophet. And when we think about apostles, Jesus is the apostle. How do we know this? We'll turn to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. And the reason why we're starting with this Guys, this is not about us. This is about Jesus and the furtherance of his kingdom. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. So if you've never thought about that before of these apostles, Jesus is the apostle, and any authority that they had was only because God granted it to them. 1 John 4.14 says, The Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. The word apostle really means one who is sent. And so these apostles are being sent by the one who was sent by the Father, Jesus Christ. 
So a simple truth, but a very foundational truth to this passage. Now, the second truth I want you to see this morning is Jesus calls and commissions the 12 apostles. He's the one who calls them. He's the one that commissions them or gives them the charge, the responsibilities that they have. Look at verse 7 back in Mark chapter 6. It says, he called the 12. And then he began to send them out two by two. And he's the one that gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, we don't have to turn there, but you may remember Jesus initially calling them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There was this call. You see, you don't come to Jesus until he calls you and he changes you. And then when Christ gives you a new heart, you now follow through repentance and faith. And it was no different for these disciples, no different for these apostles. Jesus is the one who called them. And then in Mark chapter 3, I do want you to turn there. Mark 3, 13 through 16. Now we've already read this, but it's important to be reminded about these apostles. Mark chapter 3, 13 through 16. And he went up on the mountain. So remember, Jesus had gone up to pray regarding these apostles. And he called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed or he commissioned the twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, and then from there it gives the different names of these twelve. Now, let's look at kind of their responsibilities or their job description. First of all, Jesus had called them to himself. He appointed them. They were with him. Don't miss that. The importance of being with Christ. Then he sends them out to preach. He gives them authority to cast out demons. And in other passages we could go to, he gave them authority to heal the sick, gave them authority to raise the dead. These are things that were bestowed upon them because of Christ and him ordaining these responsibilities that they had. Now, up until this point in Mark chapter 6, so you can flip back there. Jesus had been with the disciples or the apostles, or I should say they had been with him. He was ministering the gospel, the kingdom, and they were with him as this was going on. They had been learning. They had been watching. They had been having conversations. Jesus had taken over a year to pour into them. And now the time has come for them to go out without Jesus. I mean, obviously Christ was still with them of all the things that he had taught them, but they were going to go out two by two. I want you to think about that just practical application. When we think about leadership, 
Think about in the life of our church, the importance. Think about the church covenant that Chimo read of sharing life together, discipling, training, equipping, teaching. You know, a disciple is a student, a learner. That's what it means. And, and we do that together. And then from there, there's times where we're sent out of different roles and different responsibilities, knowing that Christ is obviously the head and he's always in authority, but then he's sending us out. But there's no replacement for that time together, that time with Christ. And so now back, back in Mark 6, 7, it's interesting. He sends them out two by two. And he gives them authority over the unclean spirits. Look also at Mark. We'll talk about that two by two here in a moment. Look at Mark 6, 12 and 13. They went out and proclaimed that people should repent. They went out with a purpose. It was to repent and to believe in Christ, to follow. There was a a call, there was a, a confrontation that they were giving for people to turn from their sin and to turn to the living God. And then verse 13, we've already discussed this, but they were casting out demons. They were anointing with oil, many who were sick and they were healing them. And that anointing with oil, uh, in that context, when you, you look at kind of the, the culture, uh, you, you think about oil, a lot of times it was used for medicinal purposes. And there's also this understanding of being anointed by God of the oil. Uh, you see that in the Old Testament. And so they were being sent out by God and God had given them the power, given them the ability, given them the right, the authority to heal the sick. Pretty awesome. Now, let's look at that two by two back in verse seven. Why did Jesus send them out two by two? Well, there's probably many reasons for that. Number one, just the companionship, the accountability. Number two, it teaches them the necessity of teamwork to battle against the sin of pride that we know from other passages they all had in their hearts. Jesus, can we sit by you on your right hand and your left hand whenever you usher in your kingdom? As Jesus had just told them that he was about to die on the cross and that was their response. Hey, Jesus, can we, can we rule with you? Instead of having compassion for Christ, they were thinking of themselves. Maybe it was their giftedness as well. Of pairing them up. Because by the way, we all have different gifts, talents, and abilities that the Lord has blessed us with. A side note, I wondered who got paired with Judas Iscariot. We don't know. Now another thing, when you go to the Old Testament, two witnesses were needed to establish the testimony. And so you can find that in Deuteronomy chapter 19. There's different passages of so there was an importance to going out two by two. And Pastor Jim, Pastor Doug, I thought about you guys, just personal application. 
I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my pastors. God has blessed us here at Everglades, amen? I'm so thankful and I think I speak for them. We don't have to do ministry alone. God's blessed us with a pastoral team. We get to share life together. We have our strengths, we have our weaknesses, but we're able to pray and to talk and strive to shepherd your hearts together. That's a gift of God's grace. And so there's a model here because it would be so easy to think. And I remember being young in ministry. And so Doug and Jim, you can think back to this. of, Oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And we just go, you know, headstrong and we're just moving into whatever it is. And we think, oh, I've got this. I don't really need anybody else. I've got the Lord. I've got the word. And we think we can handle it. And probably for most of us, we have to find out the hard way. We can't handle it. And God has to put us flat on our back or flat on our face to realize, first and foremost, we need him. But secondly, we need one another. Don't miss that Jesus sent them out two by two. That's an important principle, truth in this passage. Now, we've seen their calling, their commissioning, all the things that God had called them to, these 12 apostles. Don't miss this either. This was God's foreordained plan before the foundation of the world that Jesus would choose these 12. Jesus would establish the office of the apostle and he would begin to send them out. So what we're going to finish with reading this morning is just kind of a training ground. This is kind of their first missionary trip. But these apostles are going to be the foundation of the establishment of the church. These are the ones that after the death of Christ, after his burial, after his resurrection, they are going to go out preaching and teaching the signs, the wonders that were ordained by God. This was his plan of redemption. And so the third truth, and this is so important, and I'll mention this a few weeks back, but it's important to be repeated. There are no modern day apostles in the same sense as these first 12 apostles. Now, we still have people that are sent out. Missionaries, right? Greg and Kilby, Luke and Jamie, John and Ari. And so in that sense, yes, we're still sent out. We preach and we teach and we proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. But you need to understand this office of apostle, these 12, there are no modern day apostles in the same sense. This has caused so much havoc among the church through the centuries. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I want to show this to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now check out what it says. Verse 20. Built on the foundation 
of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. There's no modern day prophets in the sense of the prophets of the Bible. And there's no modern day apostles. We do not lay a new foundation. The foundation has been laid. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the cornerstone. And the foundation is built upon him of the apostles and the prophets. Let me unpack that a little bit more. We do not receive today new words or new revelation from God like the apostles did. Guys, Old and New Testament, the Bible, God's written word, his revelation of himself was being written. Okay? And he was speaking it through these holy men of God, inspired, breathed out by God, these prophets, these apostles. But after the first century, guess what? The canon, the 66 books of the Bible, the word of God, what you have in your hand today, it's complete. You don't need Pastor Eric to get up here and give you a new word from the Lord. Because by the way, if I did that, you should say heretic, false teacher. Okay, You have the word of the Lord, the 66 books of the Bible. Now. God gave these apostles signs and wonders to validate the message that they were giving. I don't have time to go there, but you can go to Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Doug's already preached on some of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Okay, these signs and wonders, there was a purpose, there was a significance of these were the chosen 12 of Christ, and he gave them the power. He granted it to them. That's what it says when you go back to Mark 6, 7. Now, with all that being said, does God still heal today? Absolutely. We still pray and we trust the Lord you know, for healing and for his provision. But to think that the gift of apostleship, the way that it was given to these apostles is still alive today is not to is to not understand the scriptures rightly. And sadly, all of these health and wealth and these prosperity preachers, they use this to manipulate people, to deceive people, to rob people so that they can make a lot of money taking advantage of people that are hurting. And guys, that is wrong. And if they want to prove that they are truly who they say they are, then they should go to every cancer hospital and they should heal every single person that has cancer. They should go to where people have COVID and they should heal every single one of them that have COVID. They should go to funerals and they should raise the dead. But you know what? They don't do that. Why? Because they don't have the power to do it. That's why. Don't get caught up in that false doctrine garbage teaching that is rampant all over the world all over the world and also by the way what happened to most of these apostles were they living comfortable lives owning private jets and big houses no they were suffering they were afflicted they were perse persecuted, and for most of them, they died a martyr's death. 
That's what the word of God teaches. So that third truth is so important. There are no modern day apostles in the same sense as these 12. Now, let's go to the fourth truth. And this is where we'll wrap it up here. Jesus was teaching the apostles to be dependent on him. Jesus was teaching the apostles to be dependent on him. So back in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're going to look at 8 through 11 here in just a moment. But go to Mark 6.30. Mark 6.30, real quick, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Remember, I told you this was kind of like a, a short-term short mission trip. This was a, a training camp, so to speak, for these disciples to go out two by two. But then they came back and they were going to report to Jesus the things that had happened. Now, there's very specific things that Jesus is going to say to these apostles about this short-term kind of training that specifically it may not always apply directly to us, but these general truths, these general principles definitely apply uh, to all of us. Because, for example, we don't have to take time to go there, but in Matthew 10, if you read the kind of the parallel passage, Jesus actually told them to just go to the Jews, the villages of the Jews. They were not even going to the Gentiles at this point. That was something very specific for this particular trip that they were going to take into these villages. Now, let's look at verses 8 through 10 of their dependence upon God. He charges them to take nothing for their journey. All they were to take was a staff. Could have been like a walking stick or for their protection. No bread. No bag. No money in their belts. Judas probably didn't like that very much. So he was the money guy. No money in their belts. Verse 9. They were to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Now that tunic was kind of like this long garment called a chitin that was worn underneath their cloak. They were only to take the one, not the two. Verse 10. He also said to them, they were to enter a house and they were to stay there until they departed from there. One thing that I learned as I was studying this, some of the false teachers of that time, you know what they would do? They would go to one house, and they'd gobble up everything there, get a lot of stuff for themselves, and then they'd move on to another house, and they'd do the same. And they'd go to another house, and they'd do the same. They were completely using it for self-gain. And Jesus is like, nope, whatever house that you go to, that's where you're going to stay while you're at that particular village. God was going to provide, I want you to think about this, the dependence. I mean, they're going out. God's going to provide them with shelter. He's going to provide them with food. He's going to provide them with water. He's going to provide them with the money that they need. Everything that they need, they're going to have to trust and depend on the Lord for his provision. Nothing like trial by fire on your first mission trip, right? This is all you can take. 
And you're going to have to depend on me. So Pastor Doug, you know what I thought about it was going to make them to do? It was going to make them have to pray a lot. Complete dependence upon the Lord. I want us to think about that in our own lives. How dependent are we upon the Lord? How much are we praying just for God to meet our needs? God to meet the needs of our church family. Look at Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13. Flip over there real quick. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. This is the Apostle Paul. And you see, this is what these apostles were going to have to learn here. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. And these disciples, these apostles, were going to have to learn that they could do all things through Christ who strengthened them. Philippians 4.19, a little bit further down, says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Are you dependent upon the Lord that he will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus? Now, does that mean that we as Christians should take the same kind of vow of poverty that these particular apostles were doing on this first trip? I think that's a legitimate question. Does that mean I need to go ahead and get rid of all the clothes in my closet, uh, get rid of my cars, sell the house, Pastor Jim just head to Africa with the clothes I got on my back, and we're we're heading on. Now, God may call somebody from here, right, to be a missionary to a part of Africa, and we need to be obedient to that call. But that's something we'd have to wrestle through before the Lord. I want you to turn to Luke chapter twenty-two, verses thirty-five through thirty-eight, and. Also, when you think about that, of you heading to Africa, take no money, you know, no money belt, no bag, no you know, bag of food or anything, just completely trust the Lord. Well, look at Luke 22, 35 through 38. Jesus is going to tell the disciples something completely different this time right before his crucifixion. Look at what he says. Luke 22, verse 35. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, and you did you lack anything? So he's asking them, hey, when I sent you out that first trip, did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. They didn't lack because God provided. Verse 36. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me 
has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So when you read this passage, we see that Christ was telling them to get ready, to be prepared. So remember what I told you. There were very specific things on that first training trip. God was wanting to grow their complete dependence upon him. And we need that in our life. But there's also a biblical principle I know for Luke and Jamie, when they were heading to Nepal, they had to think through of, okay, what do we take of preparation? There were going to be things they were definitely going to just have to wait and trust the Lord for there in Nepal. But they were not sinful or wrong to take certain items as they were preparing for that trip. And we see Jesus teaching these same apostles that as he's going to die, his death, burial, and resurrection of their preparation for those things. Now, I will say this, Mandy, I remember whenever God was preparing us for athletes in action, the Lord had just really impressed it upon my heart of spreading the gospel through sports ministry. We were young, no kids at that point. It's 2000, 2001. And I remember getting off the phone with the guy or I was having a phone conversation. He was like, yeah. It's a great ministry, Athletes in Action. You got this platform using sports to tell others about Jesus, but we don't pay you. You have to raise your own support. You have to develop a ministry team. I wasn't quite as gung-ho, Rachel, after I got off the phone. I was like, ooh, what in the world does that mean? I mean, I'm in my early, early 20s, and I'm thinking, okay. But, you know, for the next year, Mandy and I learned to trust the Lord together. And God's people blessing us abundantly. God provided us with a ministry partner team as we were sharing what God had put on our heart. And it was awesome. It was tough. It definitely stretched us. You know, there was a time we needed $5,000 for this summer training. And we had to pray and trust the Lord because we may have had $5 in our savings account at that point in time. And the Lord provided everything that we need. Guys. You can trust the Lord. You don't have to figure out situations on your own. But it may look different every season of life. Now, verse 11. Let's continue on here. Back in Mark chapter 6. He goes on to say, And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. So he's telling them, there are going to be places that you get rejected. And in Jewish culture, the context, whenever they would go to a Gentile, a pagan land, when they would come back to their home, back to their land, one of the things they would do is they'd shake the dust off their feet and off their cloak. Basically is, you know, we don't want to be like this Gentile, you know, pagan, unbelieving people. And that was pretty common for them to do. And so when Jesus tells them, by the way, don't forget... They are going to Jewish villages. When these Jews reject Jesus, which they had already been doing, they reject the Messiah and they reject the gospel message that you are going to present to them. Shake the dust off your feet and move on. This was like a pronouncement of judgment upon these Jewish villages. They were basically being compared to like the Gentiles. And when you read the parallel account in Matthew 10, you know what it says? It's gonna be worse for them 
or it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for these Jewish villages. Wow. And if you know about Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a wicked place that God destroyed by fire. It was an abomination to the Lord. Why would it be worse for these Jewish villages? Because they had direct revelation from Jesus. He walked among them. He taught them. His apostles taught them. And they completely rejected it. So this was a pronouncement of judgment, the shaking off of the dust. All right, let's finish up with some practical application. When you look back at verse 12, they went out and they proclaimed to the people to repent. Guys, remember Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. We are called to go out and to proclaim the good news of Jesus and call people to repent and believe in Christ. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone else? We need to bloom where we're planted. As we're going, we share the gospel. And if God calls us to a different part of the world, we share the gospel there. But God has us right now here in Okeechobee. All Christians today are sent ones of missionaries to proclaim the gospel. And we need to trust that God would bring dead hearts to life. Secondly, strive to not do ministry alone. When God puts a burden on your heart of a particular area of ministry, pray for God to give you someone to come alongside you. Go two by two or three by three or four by four. Don't do ministry alone. You need your brothers and your sisters. Find someone that you could train and disciple. Because by the way, there comes a time when you go off the scene. God calls you home. Have you trained and equipped somebody to follow after you? John MacArthur said this about effective leadership, getting things done effectively through other people. Sometimes we fall into the trap of the mindset, I'll just do it all myself. And that's sinful. That's wrong. Guys, if the Lord Jesus Christ chose 12 apostles to lay this foundation because let's be honest he would have done a much better job Jesus it would have been done absolutely perfectly but yet he chose 12 common ordinary men who were messed up right we could give a long laundry list their pride, their arrogance, their denial. And yet Jesus chose them to establish the foundation of the early church. Shame on us if we think God has called us to do ministry by ourselves. You're completely missing a truth of this passage if you leave with that thought. Number three, give people opportunities to serve and to be trained. Kind of talked about that. Number four, depend upon the Lord for every area of your life. Trust his word. Trust his promises. Trust his providence. These apostles were having to learn 
on-the-job training to trust the Lord completely. I love what Corey Ten Boone, missionary to the Jews during the Holocaust, Holocaust, excuse me, she said this. She said, there's no panic in heaven. God has no problems, only plans. There's no panic in heaven. God has no problems, only plans. What's God trying to teach you through your your so-called problems, the struggles? And then finally, show compassion and the love of Christ to people. You know, one of the things of these signs and wonders of the casting out of demons, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, you don't really, you don't need to miss this. A huge part of that was just the compassion of God. God could have chosen to reveal himself in so many different ways, and yet he showed his power and his authority through loving people, ministering to their hurts and their struggles. I mean, imagine being dwelt by a demon of being the struggle with that. We looked at that in Mark 5, and you have a dreaded disease and that Jesus would come and would heal that. So even though we don't have the same power and authority of the apostles like we talked about, guys, we are called to love people and to be compassionate and to meet their needs. You know, I thought about Greg and Kilby. We had them Friday. They came, uh, well, shouldn't say they came via video. They were at OCA. Uh, they, we were able to you know, work this thing out where they did our chapel uh, for us. And you know, as Greg was sharing, Doug, I just was struck. I mean, I know this, but it's just always good to be reminded. It was so simple. It was so simple what Greg and Kilby are doing in Uganda. We make things so complicated. I mean, here, here's what I mean. Greg gets a job as, at a coffee shop, just so obviously there's needs, pay the bills, but also to build relationships. Kilby ministers to women that have been in abusive and difficult you know, situations. And how do they do that? They just open up their house. They have lots of hot tea, hot sweet tea together. So we have our, our cold ice sweet tea. They have their hot tea. Greg was like, yeah, three, four times a day I'm drinking tea. Just having conversation with folks, opening up their home, praying together, reading the word together for hours. And then their yard, it's, it's kind of dead, a lot of dead grass. Most of the people there have like gates on their yard. No, not Greg and Kilby. They open it up and they have 40 to 50 kids coming over to play soccer. And while they're playing soccer, telling them about Jesus, just loving on them. Guys, it may not look exactly like that, but let's remember what Carlos, our missionary friend, has taught us. If you got Jesus in your heart and you got a Bible in your hand, you have all that you need to be a missionary. We have no excuses to say, well, I can't do that. I can't do this. Can you read the word and share what you're learning with someone else? Can you pray for someone and listen to their hurts and their struggles? Can we meet needs in our church family and in our community? Just acts of compassion and service? 
And I'm not saying that we're not. But we always need to be challenged. These apostles were sent out to take the good news to a lost and dying world. Guys, our world is lost and dying in need of Christ. If you're here this morning and you haven't repented of your sin and you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, trusted in his death, burial, and resurrection, you need Christ this morning. Pray for God to change your heart, to forgive you, to change you from the inside out and to save you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, this, was, this is your plan. Before the foundation of the world, it was ordained that you would choose these 12 and that you would send them out, warts and all, all their struggles, all of their sin, that Christ and you, they were forgiven, they were made new, and you were training and equipping them for the task at hand. You modeled for them, you loved them, you encouraged them, and God, you used them in mighty ways. And and now, Father, as we fast forward to the 21st century, the calling is still the same. It's to go and make disciples. It's to preach and teach repentance and faith in Christ. It's to love you, God. It's to love others. And so, Father, would you help us to continue to mature and to grow in that? What it looks like to be dependent on you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth that we would bloom, God, wherever you've planted us, wherever that is here in Okeechobee or wherever you may take us. God, that we'll trust you and we'll be obedient. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Well, let's stand and we will worship the Lord through song. <laughs>